0: So I think we got pretty much about halfway through chapter 7 last week, maybe not quite halfway, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we got around verse 13 and 14 if I remember right, Um, because we mentioned, consider the work of God for who is able to straighten what he has bent, in the day of prosperity be happy, but in the day of adversity consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man will not discover anything that will be after him what were some of the ways that we talked about last week that you know consider the work of God who is able to for who is able to straighten what he has bent? do y'all remember what that kind of what we talked about what that means and what that means to us okay yep God is in total control and you know if he if certain, something happens a certain way as jim says what are you going to do about it you can't change it you know you you got to you got to trust in god and you got to know that he is god and you know there's going to be pain and suffering and adversity that's going to happen along the way and you know there's not a whole lot we can do about it you know we cause a lot of that along the way don't we A lot of the uh, things that get, you know, crooked, I think we have a lot to do with that sometimes with some of the decisions we make. Barbara? Yep. Barbara said God does that, so we would depend on him more than not on ourselves, because that's a good point. When things are going perfect, we think we're the ones in control, where God puts us, you know, that in check for us. Roger? (laughs) If it wasn't for bad days, we wouldn't know what good days felt like, huh? (laughs) that's one way to look at it, that's good, yeah, Uh, Jeff, and how many times we see that today, you know, I mean, it happens, the same prodigal son story happens today, you know, people think money can buy happiness, and as long as they got plenty of it, life's good, but then you hit hard times, run out of money, that's when you realize the bad days, and you drop to your knees, and, you know, call out on God, and you know, trying to figure things out at that point. Jim? Yeah, ain't that the truth? That reminds me of a talk I did a while back about stress and worrying and the percentages of how many things end up happening that you actually worry about every day. Eh, just a real little bit, you know, but you'll worry about everything under the sun, you know, that don't even happen, so good point. Somebody want to turn, got two verses if somebody wants to start tonight. Romans eight twenty eight, familiar verses here. And Philippians four eleven and twelve. See what Paul says here in these two. Romans eight twenty-eight and Philippians four eleven and twelve. Okay, there you go. That's kind of what we've been saying, right? All right. Somebody got the other one? Okay. How many times have we talked about that in this class? Learn to be content with what you have. Don't worry about getting more or what your neighbor's got or so-and-so at work. Be happy with what you have, you know, what you've worked for and what you've got. Because as we said before, who tells you if you're rich or poor? You, yeah, man does. Your neighbor or whoever you're trying to chase after, they're the ones telling you that you don't have enough, that you're poor. But learn to be content with what we have, and I tell you, that'll make life a whole lot A whole lot better and a lot less debt, too, right? (laughs) All right, thank you all for reading that. So therefore, I guess what I'm saying, I wrote down here, when times are good, be happy. Okay, when times are good, be happy. Enjoy what you have and don't waste opportunities that we have before us. Uh, And when times are bad, be patient, right? That's tough, but when times are bad, be patient. Because, like we just said, the same God that made the good things, who makes, you know, that's where the bad things come along the way too, but we know why, right? It's not because he's a mean God and likes to see us suffer. He's teaching us a lesson. He's making us a stronger person. Tony? Yeah. That's a good point. If you look at it that way, take the straight path that you know, to have all the distractions and excuses and people are going to tell you this and go here and come here and do that and that's where you start going like this if you'll just stay the course that's a good point Tony thank you so <clears throat> most of us are familiar I would think everybody in here is familiar with the story of Job right I mean if there's a man who lived out Murphy's Law that was you know you could say Job He lost everything, right? He lost his health. He lost his wealth, his family. I mean, you name it, this guy was at the bottom of the bucket, you know? And then to top everything off, what what did his wife tell him? Job 2, 9. That's right. Yep. And what did he say when she said curse God and die? Obviously he said No. Well he said, "You speak of a one of a foolish woman speaks, you know you're you speak up foolish talk, uh, but what was his point behind that after that when he says, You're one foolish as one foolish woman speaks? He says, Shall we indeed accept good from God? Are we going to accept good from God and not accept the adversity? right? Just what we've been talking about. Where there's one, there's the other. And that was Job's point. You know, you can be happy and serve him and do all that as long as he's supplying the good. But then Job says, that's the same God. That is the same God that, that supplies the good. You know, as we're going through this adversity, we've got to stick together and still worship him uh, as we've been talking about. That's right. Do Roger? Joy is not the circumstances we're in. Joy is what's in your heart. What's within your heart? What so like Talking about your friends, too, right? Some friends, you know, some wife. Yeah, wife I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, wouldn't you love to be able to sit here and say that we would be a Job during all that, though? Lose your friends, lose your wife or husband or everything, your kids, your whatever, you know? Are we going to stand that firm and, you know, worship he was in pain and agony. on top of everything? So if anybody had a reason to turn his back on God, it was Job. But he didn't. He didn't do it because he knew, and that's what I love about that verse, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? That says it all. Good comments. <clears throat> Got something I want to read here. I thought it was pretty cool. It says, a wise old Chinese woodcutter lived on a troubled Mongolian border, on the troubled Mongolian border. One day, his favorite horse, a beautiful white mare, jumped the fence and was seized on the other side by the enemy. His friends came to comfort him. We're so sorry about your horse, they said. That's bad news. How do you know it's bad news, he asked. It might be good news. A week later, the man looked out his window to see his mare returning at breakneck speed beside a beautiful stallion. He put both horses in the enclosure and his friends came to admire the new addition. (coughs) What a beautiful horse, they said. That's good news. How do you know it's good news, replied the man. It might be bad news. The next day, the man's only son decided to try the stallion. It threw him, and he landed painfully, breaking his leg. The friends made another visit, all of them sympathetic, saying, "Uh, We're so sorry about this. It's such bad news. How do you know it's bad news, replied the man? It might be good news. Within a month, war erupted between China and Mongolia. Chinese recruiters came through the area pressing all the young men into the army. All of them perished except for the woodcutter's son who couldn't go off to war because of his broken leg. You see, said the woodcutter, the things you considered good were actually bad and the things that seemed bad were actually good. I thought that was a pretty cool story. That'll kind of put some things into perspective for you, wouldn't it? We think... A lot of times things happen in our life and we get all upset and tore up and how bad, oh, poor me. It could be for the good, you know? It could be for the good. Like Cheryl was late for work one day, which she is never late for work. She was running behind, but as she almost got to work, there was a big wreck. And she's like, she. that's what she told me. She's like, you know, there's probably a reason that that could have been me. So maybe that's why I was running a little bit late this morning for work. So I don't know. Just something to, something for you to think about. Because we, we know we're always in control, right? <laughs> we ain't in control at all. We're just, yeah, you're right. Then you start worrying, and every little thing becomes a major thing, and then that's when you start worrying about everything under the sun that you shouldn't be worrying about. So, spiral effect. All right. Let's keep on going here. We're going to go jump down to verse 15 now. These first few verses here, starting at verse 15, probably down through 18. Uh, Solomon's going to discuss some pretty prevalent questions of human history, I guess. Uh, and we've talked about that. That talked about this in this class, but you know, he's going to repeat it here again or talk about it again. So we're going to talk about it real quick. Again, why do good people suffer and bad people prosper? You know, I think that's something we've all struggled with a, a bunch. You know, you see good people, bad things happening, and horrible people, it seems like they're succeeding and, you know, living high on the hog, so to speak. But in verse 15, uh, Solomon writes, I have seen everything, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. I thought that was pretty interesting where it starts off, I have seen everything. You know, that's a pretty pretty bold and complete statement, right? I have seen everything. And like we said before in this class, if anybody is going to see everything and do everything or have the means to do it, it was Solomon, right? So he pretty much just says, here, look, guys, I've seen it all. I've seen everything. Um but it's almost like he's still in his mind. He just can't grasp that, right? It's still kinda of like we do today, you know, you got a righteous man perishing and there's a wicked man that prolongs his life, you know, and he just can't wrap his you know, his mind around that and see how that actually how that how does that work, you know. He as smart as he is and as wise as he is and the means he has, that's still something that he just can't figure out, you know. Yeah, that's right, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit if we get there tonight, maybe next week, but you're right, that's, they use that, you know, how can such a good and loving God, how can all this bad stuff be happening, what kind of God do you serve, you know, if he's going to let bad things happen to people or good people, you know, what kind of God would do that, so yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit, um, So we see, you know, righteous people, they die suddenly, and wicked people that seem to live on forever and ever. And one that I like to think about, look at Jesus. How old was he when he died? 33. That's young. Boy, that's young. That's real young. Then you, on the flip side, you look at all these murderers and drug dealers and drug, you know, kidnappers and drug lords and whatnot. I was reading a thing the other day where there was a drug lord that was 83 years old before he got caught. 83 years old, now they're dealing drugs. So how does that make sense? You got this guy, he's probably had so much money and lived a lifestyle like no other, but then you have people 15, 20, 33 years old, perfect, you know, that, that, that lose their lives. So like Jim said, that's something that you just, most people as Solomon did here in this verse, that's tough for us and tough for the world to try to figure that one out, you know? I mean, we get it, you know? We can sit here and talk about it, and we get it, but, you know, it's, it's always in the back of your mind, like, you know, you know, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. But we know in the end what's going to happen, right? So it's easy to agonize over these uh, hazy areas, I guess you could say, of the faith, um, but it's during these times, like we talked about, that shows us that, God's real, God's powerful, um, you know, and he's He's the great one. and He's a whole lot mightier than higher than us, right? Uh, and back to the point that we talked about a minute ago that Barbara mentioned, you know, if Christianity was just neat and tidy and perfect and happy, joy, la, 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 yeah, everybody would be. Or would you grow? Would you be any different? Would you... Be a better Christian or, you know, but it's the trials, as we know, the trials and tribulations that, that we have to go through that makes us uh, tough. And we're going to talk about that, too. That's when a little bit of self-righteousness comes in, right? And that's, we're going to get into that tonight, too. That's, you're exactly right. That's kind of where that's leading to, self-righteousness. And, buddy, that can be a thing in itself. Steve? It's up to you. That's right. Yeah, we've discussed that, too. We're free, real creatures, right? So God gives us the choice to do good or do bad or follow somebody or not. Uh, but, yeah, the choice. And I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for that. You know, as Jim said a hundred times, we'd be all robots walking around here if we didn't have a choice. And what would that prove? That would, the whole Bible would not be necessary if that was the case. If we were robots under God's control, what, what, what's the point? No love. That's right, we can't show our love to God or to others, uh, yeah, without choice. But back to the point, too, think about it for a minute, guys. If we could understand God fully, if we could fully understand God, his intentions, and his will completely, 100% all the time, what would that mean? That would mean we would be equivalent to God if we knew God, and we don't. That's why we got to realize that and understand that. As much as we want to try to understand and figure life out and how to straighten this out and do this or that, you got to tell yourself there's some things you're not going to figure out because you're not God. There's some things God knows that we don't know. And that's, you know, a lot to the point here. Uh, and as Jim said, a lot of people will use that against Christians or the church. You know? Like, well, if you're a God this or you're God that, then why this or why that? Well, that's, you know, you could argue that pretty good and pretty quick, but still they'll use that, you know, against it. You know, think about, a, I don't know, if you had a puzzle or something and it was a 500-piece puzzle and you tried to put it together in five minutes, but you couldn't do it, it's still a puzzle. You know, It don't mean that it's still not a picture or a puzzle that you're trying to put together. You know, you just, some things are just not physically possible or we just can't grasp or concept or do uh, the same things that God does. So, all right. So I guess in, you know, kind of wrapping up that verse, it's kind of fair to say if it kind of makes sense, we just need to trust, trust God, you know, in his power and what he does and the acts that go on and whatnot. Because if you think about it, as Jim mentioned, God... He sees the end from the beginning, kind of like you're talking about Job. You know, he already knows how it ends because he was here in the beginning to put it in motion in the first place. So he already knows how this things going to end for everybody. So we just need to trust in the him and, and let him do his thing, and we need to do our part as Christians and don't worry about the stuff that we can't control. No, and that's a good point. I talked to a guy today in Florida and I asked him, hey, did you leave or wait? And, oh, I stayed. No, i stayed. But to your point, if that storm came through and killed him, all we would have saw on the news was man died in the storm, and people were saying, well, how can our God let that happen? Kind of like, I forget the joke, and I'm not even going to try to say it, but, you know, the guy stranded on the roof, God sent a helicopter and a boat and this and that, and, you know, kind of the same thing. If they told them, you get out, get out, get out, get out, and you don't, then it's on you. Yeah. Kind of to Steve's point, they have a choice. That's your choice. Yeah, that's your choice to live there. Good point, though. All righty. Let's jump on down to verse 16, maybe 16 and 17. Um, So since we can't really, can't possibly understand God, you know, and all his decisions and his power, kind of conclusion here from Solomon in verse 16 and 17. He says, don't be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Now, I'll tell you, these verses here, there's a lot to said there, and there's a lot to be misunderstood there um, with how it's written and what it says And I'm going to try to do the best I can to kind of explain it to you the way after I looked at it and looked at it and read it and checked a couple of things. um, Some people, as I have here, they dub this as the the golden mean, which suggests we should not be too righteous or too wicked. We shouldn't try too hard to be too good, but we shouldn't try real hard to be real bad to kind of fit in the middle somewhere. I don't agree with that. Um, That goes against what the Bible teaches period, at that point, too, Um, because, you know, you can't just be a mediocre Christian. You can't be a halfway Christian, or you can't just halfway want to do good and do what the Bible says, because the Bible clearly teaches, you know, for us to seek righteousness and and holiness with everything that's within us, right? So that can't be really what what that's talking about. Um, So Solomon's concern, I think, is not really... It's not with the godly character, but with godly character in one's eyes. And this is, we're kind of getting into where Barbara uh, was going a minute ago with being self-righteous. You know, that's, look at it more of the self-righteous, or I know this, or I got that, look at me, I got this under control um, type view instead of the other view. Uh, You know, his point is we shouldn't depend on our self-righteousness or our wisdom uh, to guarantee God's blessings in our lives, right? Um, you know, in other words, you shouldn't be so confident and self-righteous that you think that you're going to live to see your 120th birthday, you know? I mean, you might, but you, you can't boldly say and confident that you, you know, self-righteousness is saying that, and don't assume that God owes us anything either, you know, for that type of righteousness, um, Because if you do, you might be disappointed, you know, just like all the other righteous people who died at a young age, you know. Self-righteousness gets you nowhere. Tony? And like it says, uh, why should you want to ruin yourself? Why do you want to destroy yourself? And that's what will happen, just like Tony said. Uh, Mike and then Jim. That's right. And it's easy to go down that road, too, and ask for forgiveness, and like, man, did I really get forgiveness? And you just keep on and on and on, or either you ask for forgiveness for the same thing a hundred times, you know, and he hurt us the first time. Jeff? We just need to remind ourselves that when we start getting caught up in the rat race every day, thinking we got to have this or have that, and kind of going along those same lines and what um, Mike mentioned and what I have here, you know, yeah, we're all sinners, Right? And we got to rely on God's, you know, mercy and his grace. But then I also mentioned the Apostle Paul. You know, remember Apostle Paul? He, you know, what did he say about it? You know, we know who Paul was, but what did he even say about his own self? You know, the least of this or least of the apostles, you know, the chief of sinners. Uh, Seems like maybe the more mature and older and longer he was a Christian, you know, he began to understand and realize just how small he is in the big scheme of things, you know, when it comes to God. Um, and John Newton, which y'all might remember, recognize that name, Jim probably does immediately, author of Amazing Grace. He said, when I get to heaven, I will be amazed at three things. I will be amazed at those I thought would be there who aren't there. Those I did not think would be there who are there and the fact that I am there at all. How cool is that, you know, if you think about it? All right, let's go on down to 18. That's what I'm going to do. It is good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. So the one thing that you are to grasp... And the teaching here in verse 17 um, is the teaching, right? The one thing that you're to grasp here in verse 17 is the teaching. Uh, Do not be overly wicked nor be foolish, okay? And then the other thing that you're not to let go of is uh, the wisdom that if you go back to verse 16 that we read, you know, don't be overly righteous nor be overly wise, so he's kind of talking about those two verses there, uh, don't be wicked and foolish and blow life, uh, but be holy and wise. Uh, but at the same time, same time we've got to remember you know, what is mentioned in verse 16, and we are a sinner, okay? Um, we can't control God, and we can't even try to understand God or what he's really up to to a certain extent, and that's why we've got to remember to obey God and to trust him, Okay? There's nothing. Yep, and I definitely got some, got some good stuff for that. No, but you you just you just set it up for next week because we're out of time. All right, thank you guys. We'll see you next week.